Because a lot of the time we tend to aim very high and then we miss it. And then we tend to have this woe is me and self-pity and, oh, we're never going to achieve that. And it's a downward spiral. So for me, this how he really understood that it's not so much the goal, but it's the process. It's that journey. It was so lovely to hear somebody put it in such a brilliant fashion. Joining us here at Therapy Unwound, the space that is here for all of us to take a deep dive into the wonderful world of therapeutics. Thank you so much for joining us on YouTube, Spotify and the old Instagrams. It's always wonderful to get to know you on the socials and I can't thank you enough for the amount of shares, downloads and likes. If you haven't subscribed already, please do so. It helps us out loads. And thanks to all of you, we are getting to more places around the globe each week and it's been a delight to share it all with you. I'm your host, Jenny Walker, and here at Therapy Unwound today, we are joined by three wonderful women and it is just a pleasure to invite them all in for this first evening record. So we have Lisa Ash, Sophie Brown and Kerry Owen. Hello. 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 Hi. <laughs> so I thought, first of all, we would just kind of do a, a quick sweep of the room and introduce you to our listeners. So Lisa, if you kick it off, can you tell us a bit about what you do and why you're here? I now actually, I now actually have to have an answer. So um, what I do is I help businesses that are stressed or distressed to improve their businesses um, and their operations. Um, I work a lot of bit with the businesses that need to manage cash better mm-hmm. um, and uh, improve their profits and um, survive and then thrive. So that's what I do for, for uh, my day-to-day work. But in terms of why I'm here, over the last couple of years, having gotten to know Jenny, we've had many, many different conversations about all sorts of different topics, but a lot of them around um, self-improvement and the, the challenges that each of us faces on a day-to-day basis. And I'm here because this book, Atomic Habits, is one of those rare books where instead of just painting um, a vision of how your future can be better, it gives you the little baby steps that might actually be practical in terms of what you can incorporate into your day, daily routines. Yeah. So that's why I'm here because I'm I was actually really really excited about it and I don't really get excited about very many books very often so that's why I'm here today. Phenomenal. That's so good to hear. And yes, we we have had many self-improvement conversations and this is I have to say of all the books we've shared together this is the one where both of us went yeah there's something there to explore. That's awesome. Kerry, hello. (laughs) Hello. Well, I am actually in a creative marketing role and that's really been my background. At the moment, I'm doing creative marketing as well as some HR work. And uh, yeah, what's really I found amazing about this book, which I'm so grateful to Jenny for introducing me to, is um, I've read quite a few sort of self-help books and a lot of the time I've actually decided to stay away from them because what's in them just seems uh, superficial often and unachievable. But this book I have found to be very practical and I especially, as Lisa said, enjoyed the, the little steps that it you just need to take in order to reach those goals and those those um, levels that you want. Everything seems achievable at last and it's really excited me. So, Oh, I'm so pleased to hear that. That's awesome. And Sophie? These are two really hard introductions to follow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Sophie and I am very lucky to work alongside Jenny and Jeremy on the Therapy Unwound podcast and at the Cornerstone Studios. Yeah. Um, and I am here because, for a multitude of reasons. But one, because we've got guests in. I know, so, so exciting. Cool. This is the most full our studio's ever been. 
So that's really lovely. And then I'm here to talk about Atomic Habits by James Clear too, because I also really enjoyed it. And interestingly, I think I might be the only one who had it on Audible rather than a physical copy of the book. So it'd be interesting. I'm really interested to have a conversation about how we all found it and what we all took away from it. I've actually read it and listened to it. Of course you have. (laughs) Only because I needed to revise it for the podcast, but yeah. I also did. Oh, hey, oh, for sake. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Well, I found um, Atomic Habits through the lifestyle vlogger Beatrice Caruso. And if you haven't found her, I really advise going to see her well wellness YouTube channel. She started off on a weight loss journey and ended up doing a real turnaround with that and going through a lot of therapy herself for uh, eating disorders. And she's a wonderful woman who posts once, twice a week. And she had started reading this book. And it came to me after a period of time throughout the pandemic where I had been really digging deep into what it means to steward a business and be a good steward of the gifts you're given and how to regularly keep up those gifts and honor the process. So that's how I found Atomic Habits. So thank you, Beatrice. Not that you know me at all, but thank you anyway. <laughs> so who wants to kick off? I will start with a small statement. Yeah. And that this is our third bookery podcast. It is our third And it's bookery. the third time that Jenny's had me listening to an American man. <laughs> so if anybody's wondering what Jenny's type is, it's an American man. <laughs> That's <laughs> so writes true. about wellness and self-improvement. <laughs> so true. <laughs> Not that I'm biased in any way. <laughs> I think I think actually it tells it says something about who is being published. Mm. And um it's really it was just an interesting note that I made that actually I think the people that are being taken seriously in the space do all tend to be male at the moment. Yeah. So we fully intend to change that. Yeah. I think it's been an, it was an interesting book on the fact that it it is very male dominant in its presentation of um habits mm. and work ethic. I agree. I found it quite a masculine read. How about you Lisa? I didn't actually think about that at all. Fantastic. Um what I liked about it was the little examples which showed you how you could change things and how others have changed things and you know one of the things like one of the examples I particularly liked was the young man going to work in a bank having to make sales calls every day Mm. and having a jar of paper clips or whatever it was that he needed to fill and he needed to put a certain number of paper clips in that jar every day and when you make something visual like that it really does help you in terms of, you know, seeing your progress, which, you know, as somebody who um, every now and again has to have a battle with a diet and actually breaking things down into little steps rather than saying, I want to be X kilograms in X weeks. It was really useful to see, actually, if you start to look at things the tiny little details on a daily basis there are things that you can achieve i you know for me i hadn't the 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 gender aspect of it just had not crossed my mind it's like oh this is interesting maybe i can do something with that maybe that won't happen today (laughs) maybe that won't happen tomorrow maybe next week or the week after but at least i can see that there is a way that you can do this yeah absolutely it's that incremental growth Mm. When you look back in a year, you realise how far you've come. I think there was really something in the way, quite early on in the book, he said, are you spending less than you earn every month? Are you exercising? Twice? You know, it's, it's, are your daily habits putting you in the direction that you want to go in or not? And actually that really caught me off guard because there are times where you, I kind of take each day as an isolated incident. <laughs> so oh, Tuesday was, you know, to say Tuesday was a disaster. I ate three meals out and (laughs) whatever it might be and spent way more than I hoped to. And then you kind of leave that, but then don't realise you do it again on Thursday and again on Saturday. And then actually that your week has not taken you in the direction that you'd like your month to go in or your year to go in. And actually I found, like you did, Lisa, how profound some of those tiny incidents are over a long period of time. And I think he really did a great job at 
at making that very apparent the whole way through the book that this isn't I'm not asking you to be a completely different person by tomorrow I'm telling you that small habits and small adjustments in your behavior will have an impact over time so if there's one thing that you'll know about me is that I will never set New Year's resolutions. I don't believe that they work. And I'm also always a bit skeptical about goal setting. Because a lot of the time we tend to aim very high and then we miss it. And then we tend to have this woe is me and self-pity and oh, we're never going to achieve that. And it's a downward spiral. So for me, this, how he really understood that it's not so much the goal, but it's the process. It's that journey. It was so lovely to hear somebody put it in such a brilliant uh, fashion. It was so clear, wasn't it? Yeah. And because you, every day, as you said, makes a difference and every little choice, um, those little things are more achievable. And so you feel that sense of accomplishment more often than that sense of failure. Because I think we can be very hard on ourselves with that failure. Absolutely. Um, just to quote him um, on that point, he says, you do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. And the whole book is about the systems to implement that little thing every day. What I like also is that this doesn't just have applicability on a personal level. There are very, very many parallels with businesses as well in terms of the processes and the systems that they operate. Businesses don't fail because they didn't have the right goal. They fail because they didn't follow the processes and the systems that they needed to to be able to get there. You know, if you think about sort of moving beyond sort of atomic habits and goal setting, there are parallels with strategy. Mm. And strategy and the ability to be able to execute on that. This is all about execution. Yes. And so, the quality this ha- of it. Uh, so there are so many parallels in terms of all walks of life. Um, and, and, you, and it's really, really interesting because this is what I see on a daily basis at work is that businesses aren't executing on the processes in the way that they anticipated that they would do. And it's, you know, you take it from a business, you take it to, you know, from a personal perspective. What is it ultimately you want to achieve? Everybody works hard um, on a daily basis, but are you working hard on the right things? Yeah. It was his plane, his flying analogy, where if you were just 3% off course in a plane, instead of landing in New York, you'd land in Washington. And I thought, okay, 3% isn't a very large margin. Um, I can feel the panic. <laughs> I think I've been 3% off today. Oh my goodness. But it, you're, you're completely right. You know, it's having a course and then even, you know, deviating from that course and you end up somewhere completely different. And you're right in, in life and in business, that could be the difference between succeeding or hitting that, you know, ambition or not. For me, it was definitely a matter of changing my... It was almost changing my identity. It was like my identity was always somebody who would like to work out rather than somebody who works out. And just setting that kind of like I work out means that I worked out and I was able to put a plan in place for three, four mornings a week. I was doing half an hour and it was just because I was a person who worked out and I was a person who did my budgets. I was a person who you know, did X, Y, Z. And it was just like that change of somebody who, and I think he used the analogy of smoking, didn't he? He used two smokers, he said, who were offered cigarettes and one said, oh, I'm trying to quit. And one said, I'm not a smoker. And it's like, yeah, the difference is profound. They're both in the same state, but you perceive them differently. And they have a different way of approaching a tricky situation. Which is a challenge to us to watch the way we speak and the words that come out of our mouth. Because that was the other thing that was mentioned was how just speaking things aloud can reinforce uh, things that you believe. And he talked about the point system, uh, safety system. Mm. And yes, so so really we need to watch the words that come out and things that we say about ourselves. Yes, and put on other people. And one of the... One of the sentences that he mentioned with one of the words that was incredibly important 
um, for, which for me helps you to change your mindset is you can say, for example, um, I have to go and make dinner. If you say I get to make dinner, it changes it from being a negative to a positive. Like, oh, I have to do my emails. I get to do my emails. I have to go for a run. Oh, I get to go for a run. And it's amazing how language is so powerful in terms of the way it makes you feel, the way it makes you think, and then the way it makes you act. So there is there is something very, very powerful about sort of being able to, to read what he has written, sit back, reflect on it, think about how might you apply that, and then try to sort of Use the kind of language which is kind to yourself because we're all, you know, or many people are beating themselves up about one, having set a goal at New Year's, two, having failed to, to stick to that goal or stick to that resolution by the 6th of January, beat themselves up, end on a downward, and end up on a downward trajectory and, and can't pick themselves up again. Whereas if you can be kinder to yourself with the language that you use, in terms of, I suppose, thinking about a critical friend, which is something that, that Jenny and I have spoken about in the past, I think it's, there is such a lot that we can do to help ourselves move forwards and ultimately to achieve the things that we want to by you know, having better systems and processes. And going for kind of daily progression rather than perfection the whole time. Like you say, being kinder in that, okay, I might not have got, I might not have been a hundred percent today, but I was 90 and it was in the direction that I wanted it to go in. And it's a daily practice, which means I get up again tomorrow and I do it again tomorrow. And it's kind of just part of, it's part of a system that you have for the life that you want rather than a one shot one opportunity chance. I think also it's it was interesting to me to start playing with that language and see how other people responded to me when I changed it. So in especially with kind of like if we take the working out example, it's like, oh I work out each day. It's like suddenly you'd have looks like, oh cool. Rather than <laughs> oh I try to work out. Yeah, we're all doing that and isn't it a pain and we've got to go to the gym. It's just like you don't you you start a conversation on such such a positive and such a kind of like and the intention is set that actually it's quite hard to to be down about that i felt a lot happier in the way that i was using my words to describe what was happening in my life do you know also you're not inviting a conversation around it mm. i try to work out oh well you should do this or you should try this or i've done this actually if you say i work out every day Oh, like you said, good for you. There's not that you can't, I, you don't get to tell me <laughs> what, how to improve on that. And I don't need your opinion on that. That is my intention. That is my statement. I work out. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. I think also what I liked about the book was what he said about cues and how you can change your cues. Oh, didn't, did anybody else think that that was something when I was listening, I thought, oh, well, of course, like this is so obvious, but yet I don't do it. And I, kind of, I, I found that a lot with this book. I found a lot of what he was saying. I was like, yep, yep, yep. And the difference is I could know it, but not put it into action. And then hearing him talk about it, you think, yeah, I really should put that into action because I did know that. <laughs> and I actually, I found what I really liked about this is how much of it wasn't, so how much of it was so accessible daily, come on, Sophie, you already know this, rather than adopting a whole new lifestyle or outlook on life. I think for me it was um it came down to donuts usually <laughs> comes down to food with me and I realized that I had this thing with going to the bakery and every time I went to the bakery they do do the best jam donuts this side of anywhere and I would pick up a jam donut and especially if it was a Friday because Friday's donut day yeah mm. and I do not need to lose weight at all but there was definitely some kind of like lockdown eating that happened and I thought, I actually, if I just changed that cue, it's like every time I go to the bakery, I do not have to pick up a donut. And it's on me to change that. So yes, there's some strength building in that, but also recognizing the cue for bakery, donut, that's just what we do. And also not putting milk in my coffee. That's the only two things I changed. And it was just like, oh yeah, I don't have to take the milk out of the fridge when the coffee's grinding change the cue and I quite appreciated that 
I found just not going into the bakery was what I needed to do. <laughs> <laughs> An even bigger cue. <laughs> because it, I had a, had a similar thing. For me, it was vegan sausage rolls. Uh, and they do really, really nice vegan sausage rolls. And every time I went into the bakery, I just had to buy one. And we started buying, I started buying bread in the bakery every week. So I, I started buying a vegan sausage roll. And then I started buying two because I would give one to my husband. But then again, he might not eat it, so I'd have two. <laughs> so just not going into the bakery was a was it was a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when it's that comfort food, right? It's like we we don't all work it, really hard. Don't put it in the fridge because the, one of the cues for me is opening the fridge. Oh, what's in there today? Mm. Mm. There's some chocolate. Oh, there is some. There's some cheese. There are all sorts of delicious things in there. And if there aren't delicious things in there, then I'll, I'll reluctantly, reluctantly maybe go and find an apple or a piece of fruit or a cat. Now, is that as much fun as, as finding, oh, there's a whole bar of whole nut? Well, no, it, no, it isn't as much fun. Is it better for me? I regret to say it probably yeah. is. I like the way that you described that, though, when we were talking about it, because you said you'd made uh, a mini habit of not opening the fridge until 11. Was it? Well, it didn't last very long. No, um, but the intention was there. The intention was there. Um, I, I had really, really good intentions mm. with this book. And I, I'm an accountant by background. So I put all of these things into a spreadsheet. Mm. And I put the habits I wanted to create I wrote down what I needed to do in terms of what the cues might be, how to make it um, satisfying, how to make it attractive, all of these kinds of things. And I wrote them all down in my computer and I left them in my computer. Now, the problem is, unless you make it visible, which is, I think, probably um, lesson number one, it doesn't happen. So I got to the point where I printed it out and I stuck it on the wall. I still haven't done anything about it, but at least I see it and it reminds me that I need to do something about it. And I will do at some point. Pick one thing, just one. And I will do that. So for those that haven't read the book, uh, just to reiterate that, he said that we needed to make our behaviors in order to change the behavior. Sorry, we needed to make it obvious, attractive, easy or satisfying. And then in order to change negative behaviors, we had to make them invisible, unattractive, difficult, or unsatisfying. So because we're so cued with what we see visually, one of the important things is to change your environment, which what we've done, and that's literally packing away all the sweet things, putting them out of reach somewhere where we can't see them, otherwise you're tempted to eat them, and then eventually to stop buying them. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, food food is always a big thing, it seems, for everybody. <laughs> and Do you know, that really resonated with me as well, because a lot of people throughout the pandemic had to spend a lot more time at home and work from home a lot more. And I got into quite an unhealthy cycle of buying treats because everything else had disappeared from our lives. There's no more socialising or going out. So you have treats in the house. And then I got into a habit of, well, when I'm having to work in the spare room, I'll have a treat when it gets to 11 o'clock. But then every day, if you're working in the spare room and every day at 11, that suddenly is a lot of treats. And actually then I found, as he described in the book, that weird thing I'd sit at my desk and every time I sat at my desk thinking about treat food or sweet food or, not, you know, food that we don't typically have in the house because I'd started to associate my desk with eating. And it's like, okay, this is a habit I definitely need to break because otherwise I'm, I'm never, number one, I'm never going to get work done. And number two, I'm never going to be able to get in any of my clothes when we come out of lockdown. So it's identifying that the um, habit isn't a good one. But it, it took me quite a long time to identify that. <laughs> I think for me, understanding that there were cues mm. and then starting to, to see that getting up to put the kettle on was the cue to go and open the fridge to go and have a look for, for what treats or might be there or what might be on the shelf. It, it's, you start to realize that there, you already have patterns of behavior that it's quite easy to see where your bad behavior comes from. And one of the, one of the, 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 I suppose the tips that he had quite early on in the book was something called habit stacking. Yes. Yeah. Where so you good. use, you know, you use a habit that you already do. So for example, you know, you go into the bathroom first thing in the morning. Well, 
and you have you know there's a regular routine of the things that you do like you know cleaning your teeth washing your face taking a shower all of those kinds of things it's amazing how you can actually habit stack quite effectively and not really realize that something's becoming become a habit so for me for example you know i take a glass of water into the bathroom I put my vitamin C tablet in it. Once the vitamin C tablet has has dissolved, after I've had my shower, I will take all of the medications that I need to take. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's there are things that you just do automatically. And I also recognize if I try, if I break the habit that I normally have, the rest of the day goes completely to pot. Oh, for sure. I'm with you there. Completely. So if I don't t- pick up that glass off off my, my, my nightstand and take it into the bathroom, the likelihood is I won't take my vitamin C. I might even forget to take um, my, my medication. I might forget to do a whole bunch of other things. And what with lockdown, there's always the risk that you get to midday, you haven't even cleaned your teeth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure that's so true. Because your other habits are gone as well. Yeah, exactly. Going to the wardrobe, going to the, you know... Makeup? What's that? Yeah. Yeah, I'm still trying to rediscover that one. (laughs) (laughs) So that's part of making it easy because you've literally put your glass out ready for you. Like putting out your running clothes if you want to run and you're not having to find everything in the early hours of the morning. Part of my habit stacking was realizing that actually I'm, I, I have quite a slow morning, but the more, if I haven't done my workout routine before I have a shower, it's never going to happen. So I actually ended up looking at the back end of my day in the evening. So I typically make sure that I've got my diary ready for the next day. I've got my school bag packed, you know, all the stuff, got it, got it into order. And then I added getting the weights out, the yoga mat out and setting it up. So all I had to do was collapse on the mat in the morning. Yeah, There was a part of that where I had to kind of like look at what would make it really easy for this to become a habit? And I liked that part of the small little things to make the things actually happen. It's not like you need to create these habits and they just come out of nowhere. You actually have to work for them. But once they're there, they're kind of like just there. They're in. I love that he even said, you you know, get your clothes out and then even to start by getting in them, even if you don't go running, just get in them. Yeah, put them on. That was so good. Yeah. Once you've been putting them on, you will eventually go, well, I've got them on, I might as well go out. Yeah. And then it gets better. Yeah. And I liked how open he was. I think he even says motivation is overrated. And I think that's such a good point because you can have all the motivation in the world. I'm really motivated to go for this run. I'm really motivated to get outside. But actually, it's not motivation that gets you out the front door. It's having a sports bra on that gets you out the front door. Because by the time you've wrestled yourself into a sports bra, your workout's yeah. done. <laughs> the effort, excuse me, that effort has been expended. I'm going. If I've made the effort to get that on, I'm out the door. Yeah. And I think it is It is the the motivation maybe sparks the idea, but it's the habit that makes you do the action. Absolutely. I I think it was very liberating for me to not have a goal to lift weights or to kind of like there's lots of things I would like to achieve with work as well as my health and kind of like well it's yes I have those ideas and dreams but suddenly they I can't even call them goals anymore because it's all about the trip man it's like what will get me to that point isn't actually that goal it's not that motivation it's the fact that I've been doing the budgets for the last three months and I know exactly to the penny what's coming in, what's going out, it's being, and it goes back to what brought me to the book in the first place. It's that stewardship of life. It's being a good steward of your life. And I really love it for that. And also that it's not about the goal, but it's about the identity. Yeah. It's about, I want to be debt free. I am that person that is debt free. Mm. Mm. and almost living into that future for yourself can i say something that i found about the book that's maybe it's not it's not negative but it's irritating just something that i spotted that i thought he was kind of talking from quite a position of maybe privilege without acknowledging that at any point so i found the book was very much assuming you worked full-time you had the spare cash 
that's needed to implement some of these habits that you what because so for example um he was saying habits that are neutral that everybody does every day and he included things like showering and getting dressed and actually I think some people (laughs) that needs to be something that needs to be introduced as a habit some people are starting from a much lower base point perhaps than he makes the the assumption of and I think in my head I was realizing well this you know this is a book about kind of progress and I think especially knowing his backstory which he talks about kind of like right at the very beginning first page he's obviously overcome you know serious injury and yeah he he really had to work very hard and I think what I got from that was that he's assuming that other people have kind of got to to a similar position that he is in now without really vocalizing the acknowledgement that he's in quite a privileged position now where he is obviously hugely successful journalist who did extremely well in his college and has been a kind of professional level athlete and all those kinds of things so I found that for myself it wasn't an issue but I did really feel like reading it you think oh well what if I was somebody that picked this book up and I had been through like a bad spell of mental health or a bad spell of depression or something and actually working on the assumption that I was showered and going out to my full-time employment and kind of thing doesn't really resonate with me so I felt like I felt like he didn't the book didn't really incorporate in any different lifestyles perhaps to the one that he has it's interesting you say that because if you synthesize the book down to the the core elements, regardless of the story that he tells around it, I think the building blocks are applicable to anybody in any any position mm. in effect. Now, maybe the story that he told around it wasn't uh, it doesn't necessarily resonate with all people, all kinds of people in all walks walks of life. But the the essence is there, which is which is really really useful. If I think about it from from the perspective of school children, for example, um, and being able to give that um, some element of routine, for example, coming up on the summer holidays now, mm. that element of routine that gets your children up in the morning gets them to do something other than being on a device yeah. all day or or being disruptive or whatever else it is, wandering around the town and creating havoc, not that all children do, putting in place those structures, I think is actually really, really valuable. And the the younger that you can learn to do these kinds of things, gives you sort of a pattern and a way of doing things for the rest of your life. And I'm, I actually wonder whether you know, this is the kind of thing that actually could be and should be taught in schools, along with the basics of budgeting and looking after yourself when you actually have to go out on your own. There are some fundamental skills here which are really, really important that get glossed over sometimes. Oh, yeah. For sure. I completely agree. I, I just wonder if in its current form, whether a teenager would make it through this book. No. No, they, I, I <laughs> no. totally agree. There's absolutely no way my daughter would would read this. But doesn't mean to say that there isn't some way of t- of taking this. Mm. Um, and you know, a spreadsheet is probably not the right answer. <laughs> but but taking this and putting it into a format that actually could go into school, yeah. because it would be really really useful. Completely agree. Do you feel like making a TikTok video? <laughs> I'll get my daughter to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be the format that makes it fly. Because I do completely agree with you. I think you it's it when you boil it down and you you can even strip him from the book completely and the very basics I think are brilliant for all of us but I just um I just feel like he probably needs to do versions for different audiences I think you can get that impression that this is for people who are kind of high achievers and that but Personally, I, having had a bout of COVID in December, have am suffering with long-term fatigue and um, COVID symptoms. And for me, this actually encouraged me to just make little changes that I haven't had the energy to be able to do normally. Um, and I think that's what's excited me the most is the little things that are achievable. So I do hope that um, people out there struggling with some mental health issues and physical issues will will be able to get some benefit from this too um yeah i think there's there's a lot of different aspects to the book that can speak to people in a variety of situations and like you said lisa also in the workplace um i've actually 
encourage my, my managing director to buy this book because it's amazing how you can just change an environment and changing processes at work too can make a huge difference to the work environment too. So, yeah, I think there's so many places it can be very valuable. I think for me, fundamentally, it's a question of assessing where you are. If it ain't broke, don't, you know, don't fix it. But if it's broken, do something about it. We all have the power um, to, to, to make choices. And this is about making choices. Yeah. And I think what's been interesting listening is how there's been a natural split between doing this for a personal and then doing it for the business and stuff. And it's just like, well, the book for me asked us to be congruent between the two. So once you change yourself at home, you can't do anything else but change yourself at work and it will naturally bleed into success. So you can't succeed at home and not succeed at work. If you've got the right strategies, you've got the right kind of like skill sets to kind of implement this stuff. Actually, to be a congruent, full person, you can't split the two, which I loved because being kind of like a small business owner, that totally is what I've been striving to achieve is that kind of like I am who I am, whether you cut me in half at home or cut me in half at at work, it's the same person. And I did like his kind of like positioning on that. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. And I do, I just think you're right as well. I think if you're, if you were, whether you're looking to make improvements or whether you're looking to start something new, this is going to make it stick. It's about a way where it's not, it's not a crash diet. It's not a flash in the pan idea. It's not anything. It's other than something that will still be here in months and years time because you make it part of your day to day. You make it part of your, who you are. It's amazing how you can suddenly look back and realize what it is that you've achieved. You know, one of the positives of lockdown for me is that I haven't been commuting um, which has meant that I've had time to run now I've been a runner off and on quite a lot of off over the last 30 years but it has enabled me to sort of run to, to run with a friend and I now run with this friend Jane probably four or five times a week And if I get up in the morning and I don't run, it feels like it's part of my routine and my routine is kind of out of kilter if I don't get up and run. Well, it's not sensible to run every day, so I don't run every day. But you know, just to give you an example, this morning I I was due to run at 7. The alarm went off at 6.30. The snooze button got hit. One more time than I'd actually counted. (laughs) And it was 6.48 and it's crikey, I've got to get my stuff on. And I had, if it had been, if it had been 6.39, which it probably would have been if I hadn't pressed it without realizing, I was, I was at the point of saying, well, actually, I don't feel that great. It is raining. Shall we, you know, shall we just take a rain check? At 6.48, I couldn't do that. It was too late. And it's amazing how these things just become part, part of your routine. And you miss them if they're not there. And I have finally got to the point, having read this book, I can now say, I am a runner. I'm not very fast. I'm really getting on in age age now. But you know what? I'm more consistent with what I do than I did did when I was was 30. Yeah. That's, you know what? I'm proud of that. You should be. Damn it. Yes. And you've improved, you know, not just your health and your running and all the rest of it, but also you've improved your relationship with Jane. Yep. You know, it it bleeds into everything. That's something I really, really did like about the tone of the book, was that actually what you were choosing to do was irrelevant. At no point did he say, you're not a runner. You know, there's no um, impetus on that you have to be a fast runner to call yourself a runner. You don't have to, no metrics have to be hit other than doing what you said you were going to do and and hitting that like daily um action yeah. in our lives and that's what I really liked and he was very casual in some of his conversations like you know if you want to lose weight it's probably not a good habit to eat a peanut butter bagel every day but if you want to gain weight it is yeah. <laughs> actually even the habit itself there was no good habit or bad habit it was just is that putting you where you want to be and it was the onus was always on you to decide if that was a good habit or not 
And yeah, it's amazing how even that is very freeing in itself in that if I'm eating two squares of chocolate every day, if I've come down from six, that's a good habit. Yeah. <laughs> if I've come up, come up from zero, then that might be a bad habit, but it's, it's all completely personal, um, which I really liked. Because I think other self-help books try and maybe give you more of that goal mindset where you talked about before, where there's, there's always a metric. You, you know, X has to equal Y and, and those kind of things. Whereas this, I really felt like it was so open to personal interpretation. Going back to what you were saying, Sophie, about if you're going through some stuff and this may be quite a hard book to access. I did wonder halfway through, Lisa and I, about eight years ago, read another book called The Fly Lady, by The Fly Lady, Sync Reflections. And it was by Marla, Marley Silas, I think, something like that. Marla. Marla. Um, Marla Silly, I think. Something, something like, like, something like, like that. that. But um, The Fly Lady is all you need to do to Google. And fly stands for finally loving yourself. And she wrote the book to help people get out of chaos, which was can't have anybody over syndrome. And really taking 15 minutes a day to clear a small drawer out if your home is cluttered or swish and swipe your sink every day. You know, there was tiny micro habits to get your home organized to the point where you never have to spring clean again, which was joy to my ears, I have to say. But it was that really lovely, very gentle kind of like daily habits that now I know exactly how to bless my home every Monday. It's done. It takes an hour. It's great. And it keeps it in control. And yeah, for anybody who finds this book hard to access for any reason, I would actually suggest The Fly Lady book, Sync Reflections, as a very gentle in to the whole idea of habit forming. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, e- even with, with The Fly Lady and the sort of habits that she helps you to form, you don't have to do all of them. No. If I think about, you know, teenagers, children, every day, just make your bed. Yeah. You know, it's a lot easier nowadays than it used to be when you had, you know, uh, flat edge sheets and blankets and stuff like that. And, and, and you know, a counterpane as we had when I was a child. Um, so, you know, just shake the duvet and pull it up and put it straight on the bed. And life feels so much better when you walk back in the room later on in the day. It doesn't have to be everything. Just do one thing. Yeah, absolutely. And feel pleased with yourself. You don't have to do everything. Yeah, definitely. And it's just like, there is a lot of, I mean, we can get into a whole rant about the perfection of Instagram life and kind of like trying to make sure you're perfect and you've vacuumed the side of your bed as well as made it. And, uh, you know, you know what? Nine times out of 10, Finchley, my cat is on my bed and actually I'm not going to move him to make it. But, you know, that's fine. That's my choice. But when he's not on it, I make it. So I've succeeded on the times that I could do it. But Finchley will always get the duvet. <laughs> <laughs> and put muddy paws on it. Yeah. I have white linen sheets that look so good for about two minutes. Yeah. And I think he knows when they're coming on, you know, bed change, because then he'll just jump on them as if he's just landed in a compost pile. <laughs> it's like, well, that was useful. <laughs> So how have you found implementing this book into just the thought process, maybe not even the practicalities or maybe you haven't implemented it into your life just yet? How have you found it changed the thought processes? Definitely the changing the environment has been big for me. And uh, it is a little bit of work when he talks about putting together that spreadsheet and measuring your habits. But it reminded me of something somebody said to me once. It's a little bit like sometimes life is like you're pushing a bicycle up a hill with a flat tire. Um, and we just need to take that time to fix that tire to get, in order to get back on that bicycle and we'll make more progress. And so that I'm actually setting some more time aside this weekend to do some more work on that spreadsheet of marking what is a good habit, what's a negative habit and what's a neutral habit. What does your spreadsheet look like? Is it on a computer or is it on a piece of paper? On a computer. Excellent. (laughs) Superb. (laughs) Um, But it will be colour-coded, likely. That's just me. I work in colour. But I do like numbers too. And, yeah, another thing is keeping it under two minutes, which is what he said. 
start every new habit with two minutes because everybody can manage two minutes. And so even if I run for two minutes only, when I get back into it, that's what I will be doing. I love that. Two minutes is golden. So I have not attempted the spreadsheet yet, but I have started to change the environment, as you talked about. And it's things like I took so much from him saying I wasn't eating the apples that I was buying because I was putting them in the fridge. As soon as I heard that, I thought of every half-eaten mouldy grape punnet that I've ever dug out of my fridge and thought, okay, that is the most simple thing to stop. So we now have a beautiful copper wire fruit bowl. All the fruit goes in the fruit bowl. It's out on the side and the fruit gets eaten rather than dragged out the back of the fridge six days after it went in, looking really sorry for itself. Um, And then the things that weren't serving me, like the treats I kept eating at my desk, are no longer in the house. And my desk is no longer associated with eating. (laughs) It's great back to being where I work (laughs) rather than where I work and snack. (laughs) And it was just about, I think, really setting those intentions of where do I want to be? And the truth is, at the end of the year, I'd like to have more savings than I do now. And so I had to change how I was spending because it was spending quite mindlessly on things and not stopping to take account to think, is that needed? Is that helping me? Is that going to leave me with money in the bank account at the end of the month? And so it's things like that where I've really taken stock um, and done some small changes towards it. But actually, like you, I'm quite visual. And actually, I've really started to realise what I can see, I do, (laughs) and eat and take part in. And it's about, you know, how he said, things in the eye line, sell more. But, you know, like I said, I knew all of that. But you don't think about it in terms of your own home or your own behaviour. You know, I know if I go into a petrol station, oh, you have to walk past the Yorkies because that's where they sell the Yorkies when they put them in front of you. Yeah. So in a petrol station, I know, like, don't look because they're just making you buy something. But I didn't think the same when I walked in home, having everything at eyeline was me accidentally selling to myself. <laughs> and so now I'm really applying the same principles and selling myself those apples. <laughs> Love that. I did put together a spreadsheet, as I mentioned. I even printed it out because I realized that it being on a computer was not necessarily very helpful. But I think for me, what this has done is it's made it, it has made my bad habits visible. It's made the potential good habits that I would like to have visible, which means that I spend a little bit more time reflecting on it, which for me is part of the journey to actually start to do some things. As you can see, I, I can see how it is I might change things. So, you know, for me, I spend a fair amount of time working and making the time to try to get through emails when you've been on calls from eight o'clock in the morning to seven o'clock at night and still finding that you've got the work to do is it's made me realize that actually I have to do I have to take control of my diary I have to take control of a variety of other things I have to be able to say no to things to make the time to do the things that I need to do and it's it's been a sort of for me it's been a process of 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 reflection and then and also some level of 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 prioritization and that's how is it i'm going to get through all of this stuff so i yeah i took the i mentioned earlier on the example of the the um the young man joining the bank and the calls that he had to make so i've got a little pot um an empty jam jar on my desk that I do try to put paper clips into when well, every five minutes because you know, at least because I can see them build up quickly five minutes of clearing clearing emails now in all honesty the process didn't last for very long and the habit has not been formed but I know how to do it it's there it's visible and I know that it can happen and I know it's in my control and I and the the other thing about this, which is really important for me, is and it's something that you mentioned earlier, Jenny, is it doesn't have to be perfect. You just need to do two minutes, five minutes, and rinse and repeat. 
and we can all make a huge amount of progress or as much progress as we would like to make Mm. pat ourselves on the back and say you know what i did good today yeah definitely i found it incredibly freeing to go through the process because the habits that i formed then are actually now changing so i put in my dissertation for my msc and i had been working 7 day weeks so i had to really really get very controlled on my diary and my time and my habits had to be of a certain persuasion then so i was making sure that i was taking time to bulk cook um cut up all the vegetables and put them in boxes in the fridge so it was really easy for the rest of the week there was there was stuff that happened then and what i love about the book is that yes they're habits for for now to make your your life easier and more um, efficient at this point, but you can change them when life changes. So actually, that time of my life only finished three weeks ago. So I'm in the process of reforming habits and changing them to the lifestyle that I'm going to have for the next season. And I love that ability to kind of like chop and change them um, according to what you're going through. Because it won't... So say, for example, you were um, dealing with... um, someone in your family has been diagnosed with cancer and through that you've got a load of radiotherapy chemo to get through you know kids still need to go to school you've got a huge amount of life change in that your habits to process that chronic time of stress won't be the same for when that's over so you can use it in different ways and i love that i think yeah it can really enable a very stressful time to be as easy as possible i think fundamentally for me it's what it teaches you is if you want to change you can yeah and that you are in control definitely because we are and you can dream yeah if you want to learn a new language you never thought about it it kind of gives you the skills to be able to achieve it yeah it's wonderful it's like it's about taking that first step and then the second one, and then the third one. And you, you, you can get there. And you go from doing baby steps to doing adult steps. And I like that. <laughs> well, thank you guys for being here today. Thank you for a wonderful Bookery Book of the Month. I love this. Evening records, very mellow. <laughs> I know. It's really nice. Actually, it's so nice to have um, four different perspectives on the same book. Yeah. And how we've all, t- we've all obviously applied our own kind of personal situations to it so i love that yeah definitely thank you jeremy for being here for being an amazing producer and um, getting us all together thank you for your skill today thank you for all of the offerings that you've given us thank you carrie sophie and lisa and i look forward to joining all of you for our next book book of the month which will be in a few weeks time but until then stay safe be well and we'll see you soon bye Thank you.